the basket. James catches, puts up the three. Will go. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. His three-pointer. Bang! Welcome to the Ultimate Super Coach and Fantasy Sports Show. You are now listening to the Insight Fantasy Sports Podcast. Boom shakalaka! Hello and welcome to the Insight Fantasy Sports Podcast. I am the NBA Matrix and here to chat about the Boston Celtics could be championship favorites. I'm here with the big horse. How are you, mate? NBA Matrix going well, thank you. And I don't think these guys get enough credit. Standard Squeeze, what a fantastic product. What a legendary bunch of fellas there that have uh, jumped on board to support us. And that brought us here today. Um, I am sitting here drinking out of my four-in-one. Every morning I start my coffee out of a four-in-one and I finish the day with a tinny. How good. It's delicious, isn't it? Yeah, and, I've got a, a bourbon and coke rolling at the moment. Delicious. And 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 to be completely honest, if I finish this tinny during the podcast, I'm going to be having a little bit of standard squeeze myself. Oh, delicious. But for the guys Excellent. watching at home, for those listening on audio platforms, use the code INSIGHT15. That will give you 15% off any product on sale with the standard squeeze. Um, Get on board. I'm actually eyeing off one of those wine coolers for mum for uh, for Mother's Day a bit uh, a bit later on, and she's got her birthday coming up. There's a there's a bit happening. Um, I'll tell you what, yeah, I, an, an ideal Father's Day present. I tell you what, if I have a chat to Ash and I can get some stuff for free, that is really uh, really dodging <laughs> that bullet because Dad is hard <laughs> to buy for. <laughs> anyway, um, let's get into it. Let's have a chat about the Boston Celtics. Uh, they are a team that I consider a little bit top-heavy. Um, and I suppose it all starts with um, with Jalen Brown's contract this year. That's the talking point. Um, it's fucking huge. Big horse. Tell me about yeah. the big contract. Yeah, I, I'm struggling to work out whether Jalen Brown's contract is bigger than Lizzo. Or I, I, I don't know what we're thinking here, but... To pay someone $300 million to play basketball when he can't dribble with his opposite hand is going to handicap the Celtics moving forward. It is the largest contract in NBA history that will be surpassed when Tatum's looking for an extension when his current contract is up. They're heavily invested in these two players. We've seen in the past couple of years that injuries have potentially curtailed them from winning uh, their first rings as a, as a team or as a core group. But should they stay healthy this year? I think with the uh, Zinger box making his way to Boston from Washington and a couple of nice pieces, they'll be there and thereabouts again. Yeah, I think they will be too. And I suppose they're paying to keep this, um, I suppose it's another core four um, together again. Uh, look, it's hard to fathom that much money uh, when, when, when we come from such humble beginnings. But... They had to do it to keep them all together and they're going to have a run at a chip and the Celtics have always been one of the richest organizations. And yeah. I think in today's NBA, even that crazy contract on somebody, uh, Jalen Brown's age is tradable if it doesn't work out. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head with Boston being a larger market team. They're able to make back that money in revenue. So yeah, they are going to be spending a little bit in luxury tax, but 
being that larger market team, they're going to be able to make that back in sales and tickets and everything else. And to me, it's going to be some of the complementary pieces on this team that I suppose when it comes from injury, whether they can, you know, get all those home finals, uh, being such a, a rich basketball town and having that deep heritage in in basketball, um, it's going to be whether these role players can step up because they, they have lost a little bit. And um, for those listening at home, uh, we do have it up on our slides on our YouTube, but we're going to try and keep it all uh, audio relevant as well. So their ins this year have been Chris Dapps, Porzingis, Jay Scrub, Delanto Banton and O'Shea Brissett. And of course they have lost Marcus Smart and Grant Williams. Um, two people that were very heavily involved in their rotation. I think a player like Grant Williams is expendable, replaceable, if you will. He's a three and D, six foot seven power forward, a little bit small to play that spot, but hit the corner three well. I think people are underestimating how big of a loss Marcus Smart is going to be in that organization. He's a previous Defensive Player of the Year award winner. He carries that team on defense. Tatum's nice on D, I think, with Porzingis protecting the rim with Time Lord there. Yeah, that'll be nice. But it's a big step backwards with their one and two guards and the way they defend the perimeter now. And not super fantasy relevant. I've always saw Marcus Spart as a leader in their team and like sort of their heart and soul. So the Boston Celtics weren't going that well. And each of his eight years playing, They've made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, just yeah. he's a nuggety player, isn't he? Just he does the dirty work. Yeah, he used to flop around quite a bit, but I believe in the last couple of seasons he's matured quite a lot. Does bring some fantasy value uh, in a mock draft. Previously, I picked him up in the eleventh round, I think it was, which I was stoked with. But we'll get in the stats, the figures that we're going to provide the viewers now, and and see what we think for the season ahead. Yeah, I think that. On the Insight Fantasy Podcast Network, we've probably mentioned Marcus Smart the most out of anyone. We basically did a whole trade about the Chris Stapps pausing us a Marcus Smart trade. So uh, so duck on into our history and have a bit of a listen back to that if you want to chat a little bit more about Marcus Smart. But today we're going to be talking about Chris Stapps pausing us, the Zinger Box mainly. Um, maybe this is, this is a podcast where that we can start from power forward because he's the exciting one here. Um, last year, he was the 11th ranked player according to hashtag basketball. Um, and he was drafted in and around that 49 ADP. There was a lot of question marks around his health, which mm-hmm. I believe is why he's, um, he's slid a little bit. Uh, do you, do you feel that way coming into this year? He's proven last year. He got through a full season unscathed or mostly unscathed. Played some really good basketball at the Washington, Washington wizards, but when we're looking at this side now, we see usage for Kristaps Bazingas to be 27.3 per 100. You put that together with a usage of 32 for Jason Tatum and 31 for Jalen Brown. Remember, this is on a whole score of 100. You put those three plays together, that's a core score of 90. So that leaves 10% of all plays run by the Boston Celtics to be run by other players outside of what we're now going to call the big three at Boston. Yeah, I don't believe he's going to get the same opportunity again this no, he's year. Not. I think that he's going to be really good from a basketball standpoint. And this is definitely the best team that Chris Stapps Porzingis has ever played. And I drafted Chris Stapps Porzingis last year um, in some of my leagues. And I don't. How am I going to say this? You can't. When it comes to injury, you can't foresee these things. Yes, he had an injury history, but he was just as likely to play 
you know, as many games as he can. Anybody can get injured on any given night. Um, so that was somebody that I saw him sliding and grabbed him. I would like to think in a lot of competitions that he could be the 30th best basketball player out of them. But I think with the opportunity given, and I think in a lot of our drafts, he's going to be drafted in that top 30. And mm-hmm. I won't be getting Chris Stapps because where he's 23 points per game, he's two for, uh three points made. His field goal percentage is at 49%. His free throw percentage is elite from that position at 85. Still gets eight rebounds, still gets two and a bit assists, gets one and a half blocks. Like it doesn't get much better from a fantasy perspective, but we're counting for the Washington Wizards. He's now going to be competing for a chip. Mm Mm-hmm. He was the focal point at Washington without Beal there for a long, long period of last year. It was the poor Zinger show, the Zinger box, calling what you will. It was his show there. Now he's coming into a team where potentially he's the third option on the offense. His usage is going to go down. His points per game is going to go down. I believe his field goal percentage will drop as well because at times he's going to be parked in the corner and jacking threes. On the defensive end, I anticipate that his blocks will go up though. Yeah, I think his blocks might go up. I think his threes will go up. Um, Mm -hmm. I wonder if his field goal percentage might go up a bit due to maybe getting a bit more of a quality shot now. I think like there's going to be so much attention on your Jalen Browns and your your Jason Tatums. Um, I just think that there's going to be a bit more opportunity for quality shots. Like people were just getting out to him and like he was playing a little bit of ISO and everything. I don't think he's going to get that opportunity now, but I think the quality of shots due to the attention to some of these, these big ticket guys, Mm -hmm. I think that his field goal percentage might go up. um, If there's any silver lining here, I can't see his 35 minutes going up though. Absolutely not. I like the fact that you brought that up. So do you think that with the likes of Tatum and Brown, And remember, Derek White, he played well at at periods throughout last year as well. Rob Williams doesn't need the ball to be effective because he catches the lobs inside. But for Porzingis, if he doesn't get the ball on a consistent basis like he did at the Wizards, is he going to then start forcing shots? That's my question. No, I don't think so. I think, like, he wanted to come to Boston. There was, like, let's, let's talk about it there would have been collusion. He would have been mm-hmm. talking about where he wanted to go. They've had one trade, it's went and got vetoed, and then they've went and got another trade afterwards. Like, they know that they wanted him. They knew that Chris Stapps-Pozingis was going to sign. Uh, he wants to have a go at getting a chip. Um, I think he's going to do everything necessary, whether that being the, the shot blocker that he is, whether that means... I don't think he would care about how many shots he gets. I don't think he would care about how many points per game he's going to gonna be getting. Like, just remember, he played with Luca. He's, uh, like, he's been here before, but I just think that he's going to be a little bit more effective in his shots, even if it's got nothing to do with him. Even if it's just, like, he's a power forward. He's not going to have the ball in his hand. Um, I have the ball in my hand, and I found myself just shooting some bullshit shots that I shouldn't take, but I've got the ball. Yeah, absolute bricks, but I've got the ball in my hand and I get that opportunity. He's probably not going to get it. Like he's not going to get that a hundred percent, not going to get that usage. His usage is going to come down to about 20%, maybe that 22%. His minutes per game might come back a little bit because they're going to be looking after him because they're going to be going after a championship because they're going to be trying to make sure that this guy's not getting injured. But I think the quality of look he's going to get, unless he goes through massive cold streaks, I just think the quality of look he's going to get is going to be really nice now. Nice. 
Um, do you see Robert Williams the third being the starting center for the Boston Celtics? I do. Yes, I think Zinger's the Zinger box is going to play at the four, and Time Lord will be firmly fixated at the at the five. Time Lord's nice in regards to field goal percentage. He scores a lot of his points on alley oops and put back dunks and and that sort of thing. He's not a shooter. Eight points per game at seventy three percent from the field, which is elite. Eight boards a game, one and a half assists, one point seven blocks, which is up there as well. But he really killed me last year. I had him held him for a long time because of his knees, and then it took him a long time to come on. He played a couple of decent games, but, yeah, for me it was, yeah, I shouldn't have picked him where I did. I, I reckon it was fourth or fifth round last year. Yeah, cool. It's going to be hard. Like, I think Al Horford's still on the squad. Mm-hmm. He's old enough to be my dad. But realistically, he could he could get those minutes if Robert Williams goes down again. Or do you see like Chris Tetsperzingis just sliding across to the five and one of these, these new guys that they've brought in um, playing some, I suppose, relevant minutes for the Boston Celtics? Yeah, I really like, we'll get into it soon, but Jordan Welsh, who they picked up in the draft this year, he looks really nice, really long, played some good basketball in the summer league, shot the ball well. His defensive side of things, the Boston Celtics raved about. So I think you'll you'll find that he'll get some minutes early on. So we head into the first round of the draft and you've got the the fourth pick straight up. Nikola Jokic is gone straight up. Joel Embiid's gone. Shea Gilgis Alexander's gone. Do you take Jason Tatum? Is he the consensus number four pick this year? What what do you think? Yeah, I think he is. I think he does a bit of everything. I think with Pazingas there too when – it's going to raise his assists. He's got another reliable scorer in the side with him. His injuries have sort of curtailed him a little bit over the last couple of years, but I anticipate an MVP type season out of Tatum this year. Yeah. So last year is the eighth best player uh, was drafted at the, at the number five um, mm-hmm. with the consensus in those leagues. Um, you're not disappointed to draft someone at the fifth and eighth. It's when you draft someone like cat or somebody like that in the, um, in the fourth or the fifth, pick and then suddenly they become the 30th best player is when you're disappointed. You're pretty happy with Jason Tatum's um, season. His usage was huge. His minutes were huge. Plays nearly 37 a night. Scores 30 points per game. Gets you over three points made. Um, Look, yeah, he does mess with your percentages a little bit with field goal percentage. Or if you play him on those legs with three point percentages, um, but does shoot well from the line, 85%. Get some, you know, eight rebounds, four and a half assists, still gets steals, still gets blocks. He's the perfect all-rounder. Yep, for sure. If you're picking him in your top five, you know you're not going to go wrong. You know what you're getting out of him. I get really excited about when I take my first pick to who am I going to pair him with with the second pick. And with Jason Tatum, you can basically draft anybody afterwards Mm. because he doesn't kill you anywhere like uh, maybe field goal percentage but most of these guys are the guys taking the shots if you're taking them in the first round anyway it doesn't really kill you anywhere no it doesn't does a bit of everything field goal percentage you're going to be able to make that up second third rounds anyway if you're really worried about that who would you partner him with if you had to pick one person so I've sort of – so we pay, play ESPN, nine cat leagues. You probably spot mm-hmm. Jason Tatum in that small forward, power forward position. Um, you've got an early pick, so you're going to have a late second-round pick. 
I wonder if I – so I'm going to go two ways. I'm going to lean into just tanking field goal percentage. And maybe you're taking someone like your Fred Van Vliet or maybe you're taking somebody like – Oh, let me like your De'Aaron Foxes or or somebody like that. Yeah, I do yeah. wonder whether I would go the route of going somebody like Bam out of bio and keeping those percentages up, making sure those free throw percentages were really high, really solidify my rebounds, and maybe try and get like a Paul Georgia or a Kawhi Leonard or somebody like that in the third, even even double down and just go a Zion or something like that uh, yeah. to really just make sure that I have the best rebounding team. I'm going to get some out of position blocks at the small forward there. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I'm off to a really good start. What are your thoughts sure. there? Yeah, I shouldn't have asked you because now I've got no idea. But for yeah. me, I'd, I'm liking Dem- Demetrius Sabonis alongside yep. Tatum. He he gets you your boards. He gets you your points. He shoots the ball at a good clip. So that boosts your percentage back up. He's a bit of a do-it-all type player as well. You may not get the blocks as you would out of other centers slash power forwards, but Tatum's making up for that from the small forward position. So for me, Sabonis is a nice fit beside Tatum. Yeah, 100%. And it's going to depend on, I suppose, how many people are in your comp as to whether somebody like Sabonis and stuff's there, um, how far Tatum slips. I think if Tatum slips to like seven or eight, um, which I think he has the opportunity to, um, mm-hmm. yeah, Sabonis could be lovely right there. Absolutely. Um, obviously, Jalen Brown has massive usage. Um, has a little bit of a higher field goal percentage, not as good of a free throw percentage as his, uh, let's call him big brother, Jason there. Um, mm. I don't know. that Jason might have to call him daddy after that contract. But um, it, yeah, oh, it's, it's like hard like because we're talking about fantasy. So like the contract shouldn't be relevant, but it just keeps going into the back of your head. Like, yeah, he was used 31% of the time, but if you're paying a guy that much money, mm-hmm. like, do you get him the ball more? You almost have to. If you're painting that much money, you've 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 made an investment, you've got to make it work, don't you? Yeah. And and, and it's gonna work. They're both tremendous basketball. They're actually great defenders there. Uh, like one of the Celtics, I suppose, main assets are that they're a great defensive team, which is shown in one point one assists on average between Jalen and Jason. Um, mm-hmm. that's a that's a mouthful in itself. Um, he was the forty second ranked player last year with an ADP of thirty six. Mm-hmm. Where do you see him falling? End of third round again, I think. Yep. Yeah, he's not somebody like... I. He doesn't jump see... off the page at you. Yeah, and I can't see him getting that much better. Think like a Chris Middleton from... From three years ago, obviously, yeah. like, let's throw let's throw last year in the in the bin for Chris Middleton. But mm-hmm. he's just that guy that you can always sort of take in and around that forty range, and like you're gonna get what's advertised, you're gonna get what you pay for. I think he can get a lot of games played. Um, he's never really had massive injury concerns in his career. No. He he's always had opportunity. Um, he's always had minutes. Um, yeah, baby baby brother stat wise to Jason Tatum, but like. If you miss out on Jason Tatum, say you've got the eighth pick, Jason Tatum's not going to be on the board. You're not going to get the opportunity to get a Jason Tatum. If you want a piece of this Celtics pie, do you just slide on a little bit later, plan on taking it? It's it's a safe bet. Yep, for sure. Yep, um, end of third round for me, 100%. Yeah, should be mentioned that his percentages are a bit better. Doesn't shoot as many threes as, as Tatum, and it's hard not to compare to his teammate when they're, I suppose, that similar role of players. Um mm-hmm. 6.9 rebounds per game. And that's probably due to the fact that he played a lot of minutes last year 
with Al Horford, which spends a fair bit of time out on the perimeter. I wonder if the rebounds come back for blokes like Jalen and Jason this year, unless they're grabbing their own misses because because they're out there. I just wonder whether, like, Robert Williams played 23 minutes per game last year. I wonder if that ramps up, whether, you know, their rebounds take a hit, and then you start to look, like, maybe their assists go up because they've got somebody better than Grant Williams to pass the ball to. Like, maybe their assists go up, maybe their rebounds come back. What do you think? Well, you've got seven blokes in the starting lineup that average over seven boards a game. That's unheard of, and it won't won't be consistent for throughout this year. So I expect almost everyone there to drop, maybe Time Lord if he's healthy to go up. But Pazingas yeah. is going to spend a lot of time on the perimeter, so his O boards are going to be down, especially playing the four as well. He, he may experience more time out on the perimeter on defense as well. So I expect Pazingas' rebounds to drop to around seven a game and Time Lords to go up to around nine, nine and a half, given that he's the perfect pick-and-roll player. He's always inside, likes likes playing on the bigger bodies and protects the rim at an elite level. Yeah, fantastic. We might gloss over Derek White a bit because I know that we're going to have a chat about him a bit later on. Uh, yeah. And where he went in my last mock draft was actually something that I really want to bring up there. Um, so we're sort of saying that we sort of see similar, I suppose, seasons from Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum. Um, maybe the maybe the rebounds drop off, maybe the assists go up, but basically they're going to be within the same. Uh, we've already had a bit of a chat about Chris Tapp's Porzingis and how we sort of see – we ca- just can't see that usage being there um, for mm-hmm. an elite championship contending team. Um, Robert Williams, we pray and hope that he's going to have a healthier season. And rather than being, you know – the 83rd best player for the year. I think that you could get top 60 value if you if you get him. Do you see that sort of role for Robert Williams? If, if he get back, gets back into his, not last year, the year before season, yes, 100%. If he's healthy, he's elite defensively, grabs your boards and shoots the board a really nice clip. Free throws let you down, but if you're going to take them, then there's no issues. Yeah, and an interesting one from last year is Al Horford. Alan to his friends. Um he had an 80 100 blo- yeah yeah um, went, went and got an ADP of 100 last year um yep. i was surprised when i saw that he was the 88 uh best player last year um due to hashtag #basketball but i was also surprised with the 30 minutes per night i suppose that's due to robert williams injury and them just being so slim definitely was yeah i had horford early on played not too badly was consistent with his threes Field goal percentage boards was at about, from memory, six per game. What have we got here? Yeah, 6.2 per game. His uh, blocks, one block per game, not too bad. But he's now like pushing 170 years old. The man's not going to play back-to-backs. He's going to have a limited role. You've got hopefully a healthy Robert Williams there. You've got the Zinger box there as well. I, I can't see him playing too many minutes now. He's that old head, the mature head, the Udonis Haslam, of, as you will, of the Boston Celtics now, just the mature body that just gets everyone on board, calms everyone down, helps run plays. He's going to take a step back this season. In a in a healthy world, I'd probably expect that Robert Williams can ease himself into that sort of 30 minutes per night um, and maybe Al Horford takes that 20-minute per night role that, mm-hmm. you know, over the average Robert Williams played last year. So you can sort of flip that on its head. Um, but yeah, look, Al Horford doesn't really hurt you in too many spots. He's a good source of threes, gets 10 points per game. 
uh, shoots at seventy one percent from the three free throw, but like where are you finding a center that shoots much better than that? Really? No, you're right. And I like that you brought up this graphic too, Maddie, because we we see here for those of you that are listening on our platform, Spotify, Apple Music, all that sort of jazz. We've got Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, the Zinger Box, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Time Lord, Robert Williams III as your starting five. We get into the bench unit. We've got Al Horford, who's, as we said, 170 years old. Malcolm Brogdon, who can't even pass a physical, so we don't know how he's going to be this year. Peyton Pritchard, who's with Team USA at the moment, but I'm not sure on, on his quality that's coming off the bench. O'Shea Brissett, usual spelling from the Indiana Pacers, who was a bench player at best for them. And Jordan Welsh, who's a rookie. For me, that's concerning. They've invested so much in their starting five that, for me, there's holes in that bench unit there. So with what we said earlier, we only believe that they're going to go eight deep here. Yeah, and, like, if I miss out on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I I struggle to find some value in here. I've got some real question marks about Malcolm Brogdon with the way that, like, he fouled that medical. And like the Clippers weren't coming anywhere near him. Like that, that whole trade got vetoed and basically they had to give up their heart and soul in Marcus Smart to get Chris Statz really high on Chris Statz Pazingas. That, that just, that just pushes everything in the right direction for Chris Stapps, just getting, getting quality looks, getting minutes. Um, he, he can't get the usage with those guys out there, but like just really question marks on the, the rookie of the year from about five years ago in Malcolm Brogdon. Um, he plays well when he plays. Mm, he just, when he plays. Like, yeah, I just don't know when he's going to play this year. Um, mm. Like, if that's big enough to veto, I don't even know if we'll see him this season. Yeah, there's big question marks around it, isn't it? And given that it's worthy of vetoing a trade, we haven't seen it that much in history where um, trades have been vetoed and then you get healthy players back at the start of the season. So big question marks around Malcolm Brogdon and both of us are of the opinion that do not touch him this year. Mate, I do remember a trade. I think it was between the Grizzlies and the Raptors, right? So they've got on the phone and they've agreed to a Brooks trade. So um, the Raptors thought that they were getting Dylan Brooks, but the Grizzlies thought they'll trade a Marshawn Brooks. So um, I did see that one, <laughs> that one go back, and um, yeah, yeah, that that could have been the greatest mix-up in history. Um, they sent the wrong guy to the to the country, really. Um, <laughs> Um, Malcolm Brogdon had an ADP of 101 last year and he did sort of meet his fantasy rank again when he played Uh, we're going to be playing in formats where we do have an IR um, but yeah you just don't want to be clogging it up at the start of the year Malcolm Brogdon is undraftable for me yeah if you're going to burn someone on your IR you're looking at someone like Zion or someone someone that can potentially give you top 20 value at his best Yeah, like um, Brogdon offers you top 70 value at his best, maybe top 75 Ceiling. value. Ceiling. Not worth yep. it. Yeah. Like, but when he does play, he gets 26 minutes a night, uh, scores nearly 15 points per game, shoots two three-pointers, uh, shoots at a 48% clip, elite from free throws, uh, four rebounds, 3.7. Like definitely warrants being on your team. So it's just maybe if you hear that he's close to coming back, Grab him, stash him. I think that he'll be on your waivers. Otherwise, if he's clogging somebody's um somebody's IR, I would bet that you're going to be beating them um, if you're listening to our podcast and taking our advice on. 
I don't have a lot to say about Peyton Pritchard probably as the as the backup point guard. I see him as an undersized point guard. I played 13 minutes per night. Uh, wasn't even a massive, I suppose, source of assists due to that usage just being so, so low, like almost like they just let Jason Tatum dribble it up the floor and Peyton Pritchard was a body. If he, if he gets a good run, of it, run with it this year, I anticipate he'll be a nice streaming option for threes made and for field goal free throw percentage, but you're not looking outside of those three categories. And O'Shea Brissett, I haven't mind him in the flashes that I've seen uh, when he was playing for Indiana, but like just again, really hard. His percentages have been awful, probably due to the fact that like what you were trying to say with Chris, that's pausing. It's like when he gets an opportunity, he's just trying to put it up. He's trying to prove himself and he's just Mm -hmm. not there yet. So the best thing about Brissett is his shooting base in the NBA 2K basketball game that's on PlayStation and Xbox. Everyone uses his base. They love it. But as a player, ordinary. Don't touch him. He's a field player at best, and I don't anticipate him being fantasy relevant this year. So as somebody that needs a beer, um, Jordan Walsh and Delanto Banton, tell us a little bit. Start with Jordan Walsh. Had him in the summer league. So Jordan Walsh, awesome in the summer league. So he was playing as a wing defender. He's really long. If you have a look, jump on Google, have a look at some images of Jordan Walsh. I forget the name of the disease that he has. You don't wish it upon anyone. But it's the same as what Charlie Villanueva had. I don't know whether you remember him from the from I've the early two thousands basketball. Got a, got a sign sign card from Charlie Villanueva. Oh, I can't even say it. Yeah, that guy. So. If you have a look at images of him, he is, as Maddie's pouring himself a standard squeeze, it is the best product in the world. Um, his arms almost go down to below his knees. Like, it is ridiculous how long he is. And when you see people like that, they are genuine menaces on the defensive side of the ball. His shooting was okay without being really good, but they were raving about his defensive abilities at Boston in the summer league. So I anticipate that he'll get a crack this year off the bench and potentially starting some games when you're resting Brown or Pazingas. Like I still think Pazingas occasionally rests on backs-to-backs. Uh, and Delano Bainton or Banton, he's come from the Toronto Raptors, a 6'9 point guard. He's a huge man. There was one game last year where he scored 27 points as a starting point guard when Van Fleet and the likes were out. Really took the game on. They won the game that game. I rushed to the waiver wire and picked him up thinking, wow, he's going to give me some value here for the next couple of weeks. Didn't play again. So he's off He's off to Boston. Could he get that backup PG role? Well, when you're talking about Magden, Mal, Magden, Malcolm Brogdon, who is his injury ridden and has an injury history like you wouldn't believe. And Peyton Pritchard, who for me isn't a sixth-man quality backup point guard that's going to win you a chip. Is he the one that's going to come on this year? Six-foot-nine point guard, can play a bit of defense, long as well. Do they look to stretch the floor? You can play him at the point guard. He's big enough to guard a power forward even. It just gives them some versatility on the defensive side of the ball. I like that pickup from Boston, but fantasy-wise – Unless you see him playing, it's a big uh uh-uh. 
Yeah, I wonder if he could take Peyton Pritchard's minutes, but I just can't see him taking much off Derek White. And I suppose that's an excellent segue into one of these these Celtics watch this space moments that we've got uh, that we've done through this. Um, I suppose this series of team previews. Um, I'm putting up Derek White and the injured Malcolm Brogdon stats up on the screen for those listening, and we're going to keep mentioning it as we as we go through. But like, oh, all I just think is he's already playing 28 minutes per night. Um, isn't that effective in those 28 minutes? Mm. Goes and gets 12 points per game. That's a lot of game time. Um, I can't see all of his minutes going to to Pritchard. So he is going to get, I suppose, an elevation while while Brogdon's out. Um, mm. it, again, we mentioned it was bad enough to get that trade cancelled. And all I can go is that by mock drafts that we've done, and we've done a couple, and I just saw him go in the sixth round. And I just don't think that that's value. <laughs> like, it's I not. want... Derek White, but I want to take him at a hundred, thinking that maybe you know he's up there, you know, could have a eighty season. I want to take him at hundred and twenty, maybe thinking that he's going to have a season where he's the ninetieth best player. I think that if you take him in the sixth round, I think that it's a little bit of a stretch, and you've already got him at his peak. So you want Derek White to have the best season he's got for you to get return on your investment in your draft value is having him slide down to, to I I've said 90 there, but honestly I'm taking a step back value is having him slip down to a hundred, 110. And I think this will be the case in a lot of drafts due to the fact that Derek white isn't a household name. hundred percent. And I love the fact that you brought up that he played 28 minutes a game. Why? Because Marcus smart's gone. People are thinking, where are we? Derek white's going into the starters role. He's going to get more minutes. How many more minutes than 28 minutes per game is he going to get? And we can see here that even with 28.3 minutes a game, 12 points per game, 85 from the stripe, 46 from the field, three and a half boards, three, nearly four assists, what more is he going to add? Like you, you're taking potential upside that he may play an extra three or four minutes a game. Realistically, how much higher are his stats going to be? How much bigger or how much more usage is Derek White going to have, especially with the addition of the Zinger box? If he plays as many minutes as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, which he's not going to, frankly, no. um, he gets like, what, 17 points per game, 2.2, three-pointers made. You see his field goal percentage go down because he's jacking up. He's going to be a bit more tired. What, his assists go to 4.5? His rebounds go to four like it's not that inspiring it's not a no. sixth round pick no spot on i'm glad you I brought actually, that up i actually come in like wanting to spruik Derek white and really looking at him as an option but i just feel like we need to our viewers our listeners i just need to like let them know that there has to be an air of caution with him like yes he is going to have an elevated year 100 percent I agree with it. He was the hundredth best player last year. Like what? He's going to become the 90th best player. Like, don't you want to take the opportunity? I think like a Trey Jones or somebody like that is going to get a better opportunity than, than Derek White. And that's somebody that I'd compare him against. Uh, you need to due be, to ADP. You need to be realistic with this. He's really not going to get that much of a boost from what you're seeing here. And, and I watched him play for team USA when he came over and played for Australia. Great organizer, great player. He's not going to have the ball in his hands. I'm, I'm less high on Derek White than I was after I'd done a little bit of research. And that headband, that's further 
further back than the uh, Perth time zone for us Victorian and Queenslanders. So I see that he's chopped the mug off or he's chopped the hair off. Let's see the streamlined version of Derek White this year. <laughs> yeah, there's not going to get any wind re- resistance. Wind resistance, no. Man could fly. We're about <laughs> to see. <laughs> Mate, like like we said, there's going to be seven or eight people playing a lot of nights. Um, it's hard not to talk about this job share between Kristaps Porzingis, Robert Williams, and Al Horford. All these guys that are that are six, what are they, six ten upwards in size. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if there's going to be enough minutes to go around. Take us through it. Now, so when you, you look at this here, you've got Zingerbox, who's playing 35 and a half minutes a night. Robert Williams, for 23. For the Wizards, that's right. 23.5 minutes a night as being injured and coming back from an injury. So that'll get a boost. And Horford, 30 minutes a game. That equivalates to 88 minutes per game between three players. That's a lot. So when we're looking at this, we both anticipate that the Zinger Box's minutes will come down more realistically to a 32, 33 minutes per game. Time Lords will go up to 28, 29 minutes per game. And Horford's will drop considerably to around 18 to 20 minutes a game max. I think he's the one that takes a big regression in his time but as as you've headed this one off the time the job share the timeshare as you will some nights the time lord might go off you know the next night the zinger box might go off so it's dependent on who they're playing and these guys aren't ball dominant players so if it's tatum the tot or if it's brown the top the ball's going to land in their hands it's going to live in their hands so the unpredictability of what's to come with these three Robert Williams maybe takes a jump up, for, but for the other two, they come down for my in my rankings. I still think that there's going to be opportunity to draft Al Horford. Like, it's not the point that we're going to come across and say, don't draft Al Horford. He's going to get his minutes dropped. Maybe people are just thinking in their head that he's going to get 14 minutes per night and he's old enough to be their dad when they're drafting mm. and that they're just going to not draft him. I think in the last pick, I pick him up. Maybe Robert Williams gets like if Robert Williams is injured, like maybe he does see thirty minutes per night through a stretch. Maybe you just have a dart throw at him right at the end because people are so off him due to the Kristaps Porzingis. Like Kristaps Porzingis is a young, taller Al Horford, realistically, but they're gonna love the presence that Al brings. And I just wonder if with twenty three minutes per night. When they, you've just said that they might rest Kristaps Porzingis on back-to-backs. Robert mm-hmm. Williams is more backed up than Kristaps. I think that there's still value in Al Horford. So I wonder if last year, the year before, oh, last year definitely he was overdrafted at his hundred. The year before he was underdrafted, he was somebody that was drafted in and around that. I think it was 160 uh, from my research, and then and then he was a top, you know, 70 or 80 player. Then I wonder if the narrative is that Al Horford doesn't get those minutes and maybe we need to expect that, but you could still get a steal really late in draft for Al. Yeah, he does bring presence. He brings three point shooting uh, a little bit of defense as well. We can see their one block per game, but be cautious. I'd be, be looking into the Celtics and looking at how they plan on starting and how their rotations are going. Yeah, I just think the minute that there's an injury around, there could be value for Horford. I don't think you're going to get any value for Kristaps Porzingis. And realistically, you might not get that much value for Robert Williams if he's going in the fifth round. Yep. 
Yeah, for me um, with Horford though, I would say um, it's a watch the waiver wire, and he's a fill gap player for me. I don't, I don't. There's better players out there to uh, put on your roster than what there is a 170 year old Ale Horford. Who, and, for those of you listening to us on audio books or whatever it is it might be, in this photo he does actually have moccasins and a walking cane as well. <laughs> and to be completely honest, in our league. You won't be able to pick him up off the waiver wire because I'll already have him at 164. (laughs) (laughs) Look, realistically, I think that the Celtics are going to be a fun team to watch. I think that you're going to see him on TNT. I don't think that too many of their games are going to go to NBA TV just because of how exciting Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and the addition of Chris Stapp's Porzingis is. They've got a couple stop gaps in there. Like Robert Williams, super exciting to watch. Derek Williams, uh, Derek White, sorry, Derek Williams. Uh, Derek White could be the most boring point guard in the league to watch. And there's not much else going on there. You know, maybe a, maybe a stream, maybe somebody like that. Where do you see the Celtics finishing this year? They're probably my tip to win it, I reckon. I think for them to be solidified as that topic for me, they need to pick up a little bit extra for their bench. I don't think they've quite got the depth. I like what Golden State have done by bringing Chris Paul to run their second unit. So they're up there for me as well. But with Boston, you just said they've got streaming options. Sammy Howes is a really nice one for three-pointers made. He's, he's really nice from it with from deep. And apart from that, who else have you got there that could be a streaming option? I think if yeah, Jordan the, Walsh gets gets some time, he, he might be, but I want to get a look at him first in an NBA scenario first. And I think we need to see an injury or something to make some of these guys relevant. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're going to be pushing the daily content, so we're going to be right on it. Um, like and subscribe. Have a bit of a listen to our podcast, and we will point you in the right direction. But realistically, to start the year, you take Jason Tatum top five. You know, maybe if you're in around that 40th pick, I see someone like Jalen Brown being tremendous value. I don't think that smart fantasy players will own Kristaps Porzingis this year. And then, you know, maybe if you see Derek White there at 100, uh, maybe if you see um, Al Horford there at 160, I don't know if there's going to be that much value for Time Lord. There's so many. Like, you walk around the streets of Australia and you see so many Boston Celtics jerseys. Like, there's not going to be... Like so many people watch them, they're kind of like the Lakers. Um, so many people watch them, and I don't know if there's that much value for fantasy here. No, there's not. No. Um, I see them coming out of the East, and honestly, probably getting beaten by one of those Western Conference teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, think they need to work else? on their depth. Yeah, they need to work on their depth. I think they're probably one piece away for me. Yep. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to go through here, Mick? No, I don't think so. Thanks again to the guys at the Standard Squeeze. You put your order in, jump online, Insight 15, get your 15% off, all your goodies through the guys there. Fantastic Father's Day present. Who's not to like a four-in-one? Fits your coffee in of a morning, and for us, stubbies and bourbons of a night time. Cheers. Cheerio. You are listening to the Insight Fantasy Podcast Network.